following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. to invite our dear friend Alan. How many of you have received from Alan in the past through his preaching and his prophetic ministry? How many of you are familiar with Alan? Okay. So you know that he is a dear friend of this house. We've had a relationship uh, with Alan for 24 years, and which is crazy since we're barely that old. And, um, and we uh, just have been so blessed by um, the way he carries the prophetic. And we are so blessed by the preaching gift that he has to really teach into the body of Christ from a, a very prophetic standpoint. And really also blessed by the pastoral heart that he carries. Um, he is one of the most pastoral prophetic voices I have ever met. And um, there's just something really special that he carries in that. And so I just encourage you, for those who don't know Alan, that this is a good place to receive from. And um, we've seen a lot of fruit of his ministry in our lives and in this region. And so without further ado, Alan, please come on up. Thank you very much, Pastor Renee and Pastor Bob. Good evening. I'm having a little scan around the congregation, just recognizing lots of familiar faces. I think I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, definitely. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be here this evening as we kick off our conference time together, progressively prophetic. Right, ground control to Major Tom. We're back in business. Okay, well, we're here. I'm very happy to be here. I've been around Elk River since Tuesday, staying with Pastors Brian and Renee, catching up with Pastor Bob and Colleen, and of course, Pastor Dave and Sue, and I've got to bring in Bones. Where are you, Bones? I met you last summer. And when you were introduced to me as Bones, I thought, I've waited my whole life to meet this guy. <laughs> wow, a pastor called Bones has to be good. But you know what I picked up very quickly? The love you have for the backslidden, Pastor Bones, moved my heart. And I've shared that testimony with a number of people in Scotland. So, we're here. almost forgot Alice. It was Alice that brought me here. 26 years ago, she said to Pastor Bob, I've met a man in Scotland, he speaks kind of funny, but he claims to be prophetic, and I pitched up here, and I've never gone away ever since. <laughs> but we have journeyed together, I nearly said we've grown older together, but we've journeyed together, we'll settle for that. We've journeyed together as friends, but we've journeyed together in and out of new seasons. 
of grace. Trying to discern at times what on earth the Lord is up to. In our years together, we've gone through unprecedented times in world history and really sharp transitions in the kingdom of God. The whole charismatic scene which we all knew and loved in the 1990s started to change ever so gradually and abruptly at times in the early noughties. But in the process, we've gone to a place of being shaped and formed by the Lord. Nothing is wasted in the kingdom of heaven. Really, the wilderness seasons, we go in and out of a precious in the Lord conforming you and I to the image of his son. We're called to be a community that God works deeply within. The greatest honor we can experience in this life is the growth of Christ-likeness. Much of our early years, we thought we would get more holy by obeying more of the rules. Stop listening to secular music, going to movies, stop drinking coffee. Never, never, never. But we've discovered the journey is all about spiritual formation, where the Lord says, enter into who I am and you will become who I am. And you will do things you've never been able to do before. You will experience life as you've never known it before. The prophetic is a major component of this, a very large part of this. Because over our 24 years together, the prophetic has gone from being a, a blessing ministry, a ministry gift into something much more communal. The journey has gone, the years have gone in so quickly that what began in the early 1980s as a blessing movement started to evolve in the early noughties as a building movement. The year 2010 is a very interesting year in God's prophetic calendar. He generally started calling off the road Many ministers, apostolic, evangelistic, and prophetic, he started to bring home to their nations of origin missionaries that were scattered across the world. I kind of expected my own journey to end then. I don't know why, I just did. But I survived the cull. I'm still here. And I'm glad I'm still here. But the building ministry of the prophet changed the tone and expression of the prophetic, that it began to build more into people's lives because a great uprooting had taken place in people's lives. Even fractures from life experiences. The new millennium is only 23 years old. But when I think of what I've gone through in the new millennium and what so many saints have gone through in family and ministry, so many areas of life. As far as I can see, the first 23 years of the millennium has been a time of increasing suffering in the household of faith. 
for many reasons. You have your story to tell, and I have my story to tell. And I've hurt in places and experienced pain that I never knew existed. I discovered at the very root of that pain, there was a subterranean stream of the Holy Spirit that would not only bring healing, but increase the authority of Christ Jesus. Our suffering has great redemptive value. So at the end of the meeting tonight, I'm going to lay hands on anyone who wishes me to lay hands on them and pray for an increase of suffering. <laughs> Amen. Everyone laughed nervously, including me. Amen. But progressively prophetic, as we inch into the conference theme over the weekend, I'm going to work on the assumption that we have gone on the journey together from living in the blessing component of the prophetic, experiencing about 2010, the word of the Lord prophesied over us by other people, and even what we were receiving from the Lord prophetically, one and one, began to take on a building dimension. And now in the year 2023, we're looking at an expression we've never really moved into historically, consolidation. Consolidating the, the harvest of truth and the blessing movement, the experience of a new internal infrastructure in our spiritual formation, in the building phase. And as a consolidated people, the key is this. From this moment on, when we hear the word prophetic, we think corporate. We think community. We think congregation. Many of you have been prophesied over. Praise God for that. But the $64 question in any prophetic church is, what are you carrying corporately? What is the prophetic grace doing in your life at a corporate level? Does it mean we stop prophesying one-on-one? -on -one? Absolutely not. There will always be a place for the word of the Lord being spoken over individuals. The transformation of the Western nations in particular and many nations in the global south that are experiencing reformation right now, well, it's the corporate prophetic that's driving it, producing the blueprint, and the apostolic is building out of that. We're going to have a really good time this weekend. I'm just learning this stuff too. Don't tell anybody. I have to look like I know what I'm talking about. I'm especially keen in discerning the times and seasons that we're living in, but not transmitting a fairy tale or wishful thinking in the aftermath. What a powerful time in our lives to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying to living waters and associated churches in the here and now. And as we break up some ground tonight, I believe that as we embrace that concept of the prophetic being essentially corporate, 
The Holy Spirit is inviting you and I to ask ourselves the question, how do we participate in the body of Christ? Then follow through with another question. How can I participate more meaningfully in the body of Christ in a prophetic context? That sounds like a simple question to answer. It's actually more complicated than we realize, but the solutions are always simple. When God speaks, there's a tremendous simplicity of faith. But if you look at what that simplicity of faith produces on the earth, it's quite complex. God's been doing this for millennia. For God spoke this world into existence to begin with. I would say that was quite a prophetic show he put on. He just spoke and chung, here we are. But it was quite complex, really. And that's the nature of the prophetic. Simple in declaration, complex in the grace of God, how it's woven together, and then we share with people who look in awe and wonder at what we are becoming. I say all this as way of introduction. For when the prophetic movement began in the 1980s, it gained traction quickly, prophetic conferences, the birthing of true New Testament prophets, prophetic people, prophetic schools, prophetic worship. It was a little bit of an inreach for a season rather than an outreach. But it had to be that way so there could be a good quality birthing. When a woman's having a baby, she doesn't invite the whole street into the hospital ward to have a look at the birthing. None of you agreed. Trust me, I'm telling the truth. When my wife was birthing our daughter, the gynecologist said, would you like an epidural? And I said, yes, please. He says, not you, meathead, your wife. I said, well, she can have one too. So birthings often take place privately in the kingdom till there's enough expression, enough maturity, enough anointing that it will spread through the body of Christ. But we're now here, for the prophetic movement has spread through the alive, Pentecostal, charismatic, evangelical church. Of course, there's lunatic fringe churches. Have you ever met a lunatic fringe church? You shall know them by what they're against, which is everything and everybody. I'm talking about mainstream. Birthings of the Lord are carried out in the periphery, but we know they are absolutely true because of the way they grow Christ Jesus in the mainstream. And Living Waters is a mainstream church, but radical in the periphery that what's radical in the periphery becomes mainstream in the congregation. Many come along and taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm trying to start this message, and I'm not getting anywhere. Pray for me, or otherwise we'll be here till tomorrow morning. 
I think I mentioned something about participation in the body of Christ. We're invited tonight by the Holy Spirit to participate in the body of Christ as a prophetic people. Are you a prophetic people tonight? Let me see your hand. Let me see both hands if you can pray in tongues as well. Both legs if you have the interpretation up in the air. Swirl from the lights if you've ever prayed for healing and they've the person's received an immediate healing. Only joking. Some of you are getting ready to stand in the chairs. But Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, by what every joint supplies. Ephesians 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. And in case anyone's in any doubt, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And we're members, we're prophetic members of the body of Christ. It also has to be said, that includes the body of Christ in heaven, as well as the body of Christ on the earth. I think, Bob, most of the body of Christ is in heaven, but we're the earth division of the body of Christ, and we're called to be prophetic members. Some of us will function in other capacities, and that's allowed. We can find that we can migrate around the body of Christ to be who call, God has called us to be. But fundamentally, as we progress into this message, Christians really are one body and spirit with Christ. One body and one spirit. Familiar language, but when you perceive the fresh prophetic realization of what is the simple truth, then it leaves us in absolute awe and wonder before Almighty God. We've been processing this stuff for many decades. In our carnal thinking, we thought, well, was there some kind of magical transference at one time, like the universe changed its shape and form because I'm no longer a sinner and now I'm in Christ Jesus. It's good to think along those lines because I find most of us who came to faith way back had no education worth talking about. But being a Christian is an education in itself. It really is. It gives you and I access to real knowledge. Knowledge that sets the pace for all the medicinal, scientific, and technological breakthroughs on planet Earth. Another way of looking at the same question. Now we accept we are one body and spirit with Christ is to engage in revised self-understanding from time to time. We should take stock every week or two 
have a reflective time? Where am I at in my marriage, with my family, with my friends, ministry calling? Where am I at in my relationships with peers? That kind of thinking will do us no harm at all. But revise self-understanding is something we leverage our natural thinking out of into prophetic kingdom thinking. Our objective is always finding a category of reality from the knowledge of God that we carry. And generally, and please listen closely to this, it's a major prophetic key. Would you like me to give you a gift, a golden prophetic key? The golden prophetic key in entering into revised self-understanding is moving forward into perception. Perceiving. Who am I really, Lord? You'll get a good answer, a very clear answer, and it'll be all good because who you are is in Christ Jesus and who Christ Jesus is is operating within you but it will be unique to you. It's not a cookie-cutter exercise. It's one thing knowing we are the righteousness of God, which we are, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's another thing to understand what that really means to you as you seek to perceive that, as you seek to enter into what your perception is telling you. Some of you are wondering what perception really means. I'll tell you what it really means. It's the way you looked at the young man your daughter brought home and said, this is Ed, he's my boyfriend. At that moment, you moved into a place of perception, <laughs> trying to work out what he was all about. Perception is very easy. It's an activity of our human spirit. And in the grace of God, we hit the bullseye every single time. There's four areas I want to look at briefly as we seek to end this short message. I say repeatedly, I only have a short message when I'm preaching to congregations because it makes them listen more attently. They think, good, it's going to end soon. But I'm only giving you false hope. It's only false hope. <laughs> you let me share four brief areas with you as we move into a prophetic season. Real participation in the body of Christ. Real participation in Christ. Real possession of the Spirit. Yes, please. Yes and amen. I'm in. Well, very quickly. It comes through the family experience in the body of Christ. It comes through our military solidarity in the body of Christ. It comes through simply committing to a local church. And more importantly, understanding that you and I and our fellowships are part of God's grand narrative. It's exciting stuff. I've never heard a kingdom truth that leaves me cold. I've only heard kingdom truth that makes me so glad I am utterly in Christ Jesus. 
A family membership is absolutely essential. If we are going to participate in the body of Christ, for 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We are family, and they're not getting cheesy and sentimental on you. Although, when I think of living waters, I can get quite cheesy and sentimental because we've been friends such a long time. You've watched my platinum blonde hair become somewhat gray. And nay, because there's subtractions at the back and the front. I'm not, growing, I'm not going bald, I'm growing a forehead. It's a see-through wig I'm modeling. Well, Frank Sinatra can wear one, so can I. Only joking, this is real hair that produces real dandruff. Amen. We are family, the same blood that indeed was spilt on the earth's soil 2,000 years ago runs through our spiritual veins. That's why it hurts so much when things go wrong in the body of Christ. We feel it in our spirits, not in our minds, not in our emotions, but in our spirits. Likewise, when things go very well and there's an honoring of an individual or a group or a move of God, we rejoice with that. We're part of the family of God in heaven and on earth. And just simply being part of a local church family means we're automatically included in the relationship circle within that family. Of course, out of that relationship circle, we are looking for our own friendship group. And that's so important. That's so important. If you attach to a friendship group, all they do is speak about other people in the relationship circle and find another friendship group. But seriously, the power of family in the kingdom of heaven is a catalyst, not only for our discipleship, but for a prophetic development. Because we do feel each other's pain prophetically. We rejoice in ways with an excitement that can only come from the one spirit that we are all part of. I've been on a long journey next month on July the 8th. I will be 40 years a Christian. I've been on the road quite a while. I remember my first church that I was in for a number of years and then returned to for 10 years between 2004 and 2013. And I think back to many of the saints that I learned from and rubbed shoulders with, 1986, 1987, beyond. Many of them are in heaven now. And it's not like we just shared common interests, common experience. I really feel like they're family to me. And if I have chance meetings, if I have chance meetings with members of that fellowship, it's like reconnecting with your family of origin. It's not sentimental, although sentiment is okay. It's something deeper, family. 
Have we ever really moved accurately in the prophetic until, until, until we've had that sense of belonging to a local church family? Outside of that, would we be nothing other than a clashing cymbal and a clanging gong? Family is family is family. We're invited to be participants in the body of Christ through military solidarity. Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. When we receive Christ Jesus, we were born again into Christ Jesus, but he said, welcome to the army of the Lord, Private Ross, Private Calva, Private Sharping. And we found we were engaging in a battle very quickly. I naively thought when I became a Christian, all my troubles had come to an end. Because all I knew as an adult pre-Jesus was trouble and chaos, most of it caused by me. I thought, now it's going to be a walk along an open field, like living in Walton's Mountain on steroids. <laughs> Little did I know I was enlisted to be a soldier. <clears throat> we were enlisted to be soldiers in the army of the Lord. Have you ever been wounded on the battlefield? Had you ever wanted to resign your status as a soldier on the battlefield? We all have. <clears throat> if there's one lesson we learn on the battlefield is this. It's God who does the fighting. Because we're never fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting spirits that are working through flesh and blood. In an age where biblical morality and biblical ethics have been thrown out by secular America... Now we're standing for truth. Now we're standing for biblical morality. Now we're standing to contend for the faith that was once entrusted to us. Are we going to be a generation that modifies a faith to appease a secular America? Now, that gets a boneheaded Scotsman angry very quickly. We are a fighting nation. Absolutely not. Our military solidarity and standing, not in a legalistic way with each other, but standing prophetically. The word God spoke, the word God has revealed, the necessity for society to prosper alone in biblical values is something worth contending for. Think of the founding fathers of America that signed that treaty way back in 1776. People fought unnamed, unknown believers, un unknown faceless believers fought in the early decades of America's history to make the values of this nation biblical values. In a sense, it was a free money. When we became part of American life, Biblical values were still a big part of American society. The man in the street would have agreed with the Ten Commandments, would have been on our side. 
Now they're coming to take it away from us and saying, this is what you must believe. The new civic religion is running rampant in the United Kingdom, and they see the battle heating up in the USA. It's like a combination of secular voices, multi-faith voices, even Christian leaders that have abandoned the faith that was once entrusted to them to sign up for the new civic religion. You and I fighting this battle, engaging in military solidarity, knowing the prophetic words we speak will indeed cause strongholds of the enemy to come crashing down in this nation. We're family, but we can fight as well. The solidarity of the kingdom of heaven means the artillery of heaven is at our disposal as we fight the good fight on behalf of the one who has called us. Church membership, or to get ecclesi to all Anglican on you, ecclesial membership. Well, I want to cut through all the ecclesiastical waffle and just say that the power of belonging to a local fellowship, as I said earlier, is a power of family, but expresses and requires of each of us a loving commitment, a loving commitment to God and then each other. Ephesians 5, 21, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That's a loaded Bible verse and can be interpreted in many ways. The authoritarian word that came out of that Bible verse in the 1970s and 80s was submission. The great obsession with the charismatic church, being submitted, being submitted, often to someone who began well but evolved into a harsh dictator putting unbearable demands on the people of God. The authoritarian spirit wrecked and damaged probably millions of Americans' lives. I think of men and women who got remarkably saved, born again out of addiction, born again out of slavery to sin, born again out of atheism, and came to a local church full of the joy of God, ready to enter into the plans and purposes of God, and left there profoundly wounded and damaged. There will be no significant move of the Holy Spirit until that matter is adequately addressed by wise and mature fathers of the faith in the United States of America. When the Lord said, be submitted to one another, he emphasized the need for loving commitment to one another, that we only have each other's best interests at heart. When we move alongside someone, we're not moving alongside them to try and get them to submit to our partial and perhaps immature perspectives. Loving commitment narrows down to, is there birds flying around the sanctuary? Is this a visitation? Hey, start with me. Woohoo! <laughs> Loving commitment is not about being the solution to each other's problems. 
It's just about the willingness to do life together, to do real life together, the good, the badly, bad and the ugly of real life together. And finally, we get a chance to be part of God's grand narrative. The prophetic often births new dimensions of God's grand narrative. The Bible is a grand narrative of God's relationship with humanity. But at the same time, our lives are part of the grand narrative of the history of the human race. We're part of that grand narrative. You are, I am. We were all something else pre-Jesus. We were all something else pre-Jesus. We have a story to tell. We experience the power of God and the truth of God. And then suddenly, we're part of God's narrative of human history with a redemptive tale to tell. As I seek to land this plane in about five minutes, ish, ish, ish. God is a storyteller. The Bible is a story. Full of characters and events. Nasty characters. Wonderful characters. It's not a fantasy. It's historically proved. It's proven historically that the features of the scriptures are entirely accurate. Atheistic Academics have tried to disprove Scripture and ended up believing in Scripture. If God is a storyteller, how should we operate on the back of that? By being storytellers. To communicate with one another at that level. To make a communication essentially that of a story with events and people and the grace of God. We all know the good, the bad, and the ugly of our own stories. We understand the context of our own stories. An Alcoholics Anonymous, the people who go along there, and I used to be part of that amazing fellowship, would share their story from the top table. I shared at lots of top tables when I was a very young Christian, early in sobriety, that's when I really discovered that God had given me a gob, that I could speak, that I could communicate to groups of people. And in Alcoholics Anonymous, when people shared their experience, the strength and hope, the listener or listeners were greatly encouraged and inspired. I believe a big part of a move of God is storytelling, telling the stories, more than just simple testimonies, but engaging with what God has done and then transmitting that to others. Do you want to transmit to God to others around you? Well, tell them a story. A downtrodden, hurting saint maybe needs to hear elements, elements of your story. Perhaps a believer who's fallen into the depths of sin and feels hopeless needs to hear 
the worst thing you've ever done. Don't put that on Facebook. Please, please. And relax. I'm not asking you to turn around and speak to the person to your right and tell them the worst thing you've ever done. Our sin is all the one color and the blood of Jesus has expunged from our existence the consequences of that sin eternally and can redeem the consequences of that sin in the temporal, in the here and now. In a sense, prophecy is storytelling, but it's about you. It's God's chance to brag on you. He's really saying, let me tell you a story about Lynn. Let me tell you a story about John. Let me tell you a story about Carrie. And we all listen and go, wow, God really likes them. <laughs> We're part of God's grand narrative. And you know, when we look at the Word of God and the beginning of God's grand narrative with humanity, the first verse of Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And do you know the last verse in the Bible in Revelation 22, verse 21? The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. From creation, grace was moving across planet earth. Prophetic grace moving across planet earth. And when all is said and done, when God's prophetic purposes have been truly, truly accomplished on the earth, he will just simply sit back on the throne of grace and say, Amen. Amen. When you and I breathe our last in this life and go on to be with the Lord in glory, he will look over us as our spirits leave our body and say, Amen. Amen. We're part of a process. We're part of a narrative. We live in the reality of prophetic grace. And all the Lord is saying is simply participate in my body. Participate in my body. It means go to church. It means make friends. If you don't have any friends, be friendly. Then you will have some friends. Be reasonable. Don't immediately disagree with what they've just said. <laughs> then you will begin the journey of entering and participating, catching and growing in the prophetic. I've got one final thing to say tonight that might sound a little bit complicated. It's not. Just patronize me. I'm going to finish by throwing out there two words, unconscious demythologizing. Unconscious demythologizing. As we live in an age where we're being battered by the natural, almost 24-7, the message of this age has somewhat dulled down our reflex position to believe God. 
He understands the nature of the battle we are in as 21st century Christians. So he has a solution as we participate in the body. The Holy Spirit is working in the depths of our spirits that when we have this breakthrough moment prophetically and we understand who we are becoming then the lies of the world that try and tell us that what we believe is a myth suddenly changes when we experience the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus and then suddenly realize this is knowledge. This is knowledge. The accusation of mythology is crushed under our feet. As we take a position in the prophetic Christ, as we know that in our daily movements, the Holy Spirit is doing a very deep work in the depths of our human spirits, in the depths of who we are as new creations, then we rejoice as a people who are progressively prophetic. See, the enemy hasn't knocked us out of the park. See, we are moving forward in spite of our struggles. See, the greatest prophetic chapter of the church's history is in front of us, not behind us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.